Okay, the passage this evening that we'll be studying is in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Habakkuk 2, 6. Will not all of these take up a taunt song against him, even mockery and insinuations against him, and say, Woe to him who increases what is not his for how long, and makes himself rich with loans? Will not your creditors rise up suddenly, and those who collect from you awaken? Indeed, you will become plunder for them, because you have looted many nations. All the remainder of the peoples will loot you, because of human bloodshed and violence done to the land, to the town, and all its inhabitants. So we'll study verses 6 and 7 as one uh, passage, because they are related to one another. So in verse 6, it speaks of this hymn, um, the taunt song against him. Their mocking and insinuations are against him. So as we continue from verse 5, the hymn is the haughty man, the prideful man. Um, in this case, this is immediately applicable to the Babylonians. But we know that in general, this is um, spoken against all prideful and haughty man. Um, So to give us the context of this verse before we begin. So this is the rebuke of the prideful man. So it begins with those taking up a taunt song against him and mocking the prideful man. So as the prideful man falls, as he's destroyed, we know that... um, it is natural for those who are wicked, those who are evil, to have gained their power in a way that is um, against the word of the Lord. When they fall, that there is some delight taken in this. And is this, is this a sinful type of mocking, or can this also be a righteous type of mocking? Um, we'll turn to Psalm 59. For this answer. So Psalm chapter 59 verses 1 through 8. Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Set me securely on high, away from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who do iniquity, and save me from men of bloodshed. For behold, they have set an ambush for my life. Fierce men launch an attack against me, not for my transgression, nor for my sin, O Lord. For no guilt of mine, they run and set themselves against me. Arouse yourself to help me, and see. You, O Lord, God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to punish all the nations. Do not be gracious to any who are treacherous in iniquity. They return at evening, they howl like a dog, and go around the city. Behold, they belch forth with their mouth. Swords are in their lips, for they say, Who hears? But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You scoff at all the nations. So here David is speaking or writing this psalm in that he's being attacked unjustly. He knows that these people are wicked and they have set themselves against him. But he understands that in the end, God laughs at them. He mocks them. He scoffs at them at these people who are unrighteous, 
and see themselves as prideful and they have their pride in these um, worldly things, that they will be humbled and that they will be brought low. So we see this also in our passage in Habakkuk 2, that not immediately here, but he's preaching this um, condemnation against the nation of Babylon for what they're about to do um, or going currently doing to the people of Judah. So here, um, that the mocking against the wicked when they fall it is a godly reaction to, um, to the prideful man, the wicked man, when they are humbled. Continuing in the passage in verse 6, he describes that prideful man as having increases, that he increases what is not his, and makes himself with rich with loans. Will not your creditors rise up suddenly? Um, the Proverbs warn against uh, this sort of riches without proper means. This isn't something done by hard work. This isn't something done um, through righteous means, but it's done in wickedness. Uh, first, we find this in Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11, verse 28. Reads, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. So again, the man whose hope is in these riches that he's attaining, or who's fixed on these riches that he's attaining, will not... Um, will fall. That's what we have an example here written in Habakkuk. Uh, continuing in Proverbs, Proverbs 28, verse 20. Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who makes haste to be rich will not go unpunished. So the man making haste to be rich, whether he be, um, he's trying to gain good things without proper means. He wants to get rich quick or something of that nature. That, or, or in this case, they're um, conquering the peoples of other nations and taking the plunder as they please. Not in a righteous way, but in a very wicked way. But these are the ways in which man may uh, make haste to become rich but they will not go unpunished, as it says here in the proverb. Um, an example we have in uh, Scripture of a man who also was rich to make, or hate, make, hate, made haste to be rich was Achan in Joshua. Joshua chapter 7. So he, he coveted and he took because he wanted riches that he did not earn he did not want he did not come by righteous means so we're in joshua chapter 7 uh we'll read verses 20 and 21 for context and then 
finally in 25 for the judgment. Joshua 7, verse 20. So Achan answered Joshua and said, Truly, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful mantle from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold, 50 shekels in weight, then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are concealed in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath it. Then moving to verse 25, Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. And all Israel stoned them with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. So here's an example of a man who wanted this unjust gain, who sought this um, apart from what God had prescribed to him, and he was destroyed, just as the proverb says, and just as we read here of the Babylonians in Habakkuk. So back in Habakkuk, we see at the end of verse 6 and the first sent, or phrase of verse 7, and makes himself rich with loans, will not your creditors rise up suddenly, and those who collect from you awaken? So this is warning us against, again, the man has made himself rich with money that's not really his, and in this case, he describes it as a loan. So the scripture warns against this excessive debt or becoming falsely rich by uh, taking loans. We see this first in Proverbs. We read Proverbs chapter 6. Verses 1 to 5. Proverbs 6. My son, if you have become surety for your neighbor, have given a pledge for a stranger, if you have been snared with the words of your mouth, have been caught with the words of your mouth, do this then, my son, and deliver yourself. Since you have come into the hand of your neighbor, go humble yourself and importune your neighbor. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hunter's hand, and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. So here, the um, parent uh, calling this person my son is warning against, do not become surety for your neighbor, or give these pledges that you cannot pay back. Um, This is against godly wisdom, and to have an excess of this... uh, debt to where you are now owned by your neighbor is is a sin um, in the eyes of the Lord and not wise and not prudent to be. Uh, further in the Proverbs, we have more examples of this in chapter 22. <coughs> chapter 22, verse 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. And further in verses 26 and 27. Do not be among those who give pledges, among those who become guarantors for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take your bed from under you? Again, warning us to have this um, mindset and to understand that we should not be outliving our means and not be 
coming rich with money that is not ours. First here, in, in this sense, having loans, he's comparing it to how the Babylon, Babylonians excuse me, are taking things that don't truly belong to them. And then the creditors will rise up and they will expect their debts to be paid. So now that we've looked at how the wicked have this um, perverted uh, desire to be rich, to have this wealth and to be um, rich through unjust means, we can contrast that with how the righteous should be looking at wealth and how the righteous should be valuing um, the thing, the material possessions of this earth. So we'll stay in Proverbs. Uh, start with Proverbs 28, uh, verse 6. Twenty-eight, verse six. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked, though he be rich. So, understanding that wickedness, again, rich riches that have been derived from wickedness, it's better to be poor. This is heaping more condemnation upon your head to be this way. Um, so, it must it is much better to have integrity than to have riches. Um, we also will see in Psalm 37, Psalm 37, verse 21, the wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and gives. So the wicked have this desire this covetousness for money and he'll take but never give and this happens in many ways but the righteous is always gracious and gives with whatever gifts the lord has blessed them with they are not they understand that they come from god and that they are to be shared with others not that they should always take and um, never give back and then in first timothy 6 we also see this correct understanding of what it, uh, how the Christian should view um, wealth and, and value what's truly important. We're reading First Timothy chapter six, verses one to ten. All who are under the yoke as slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. Those who have believers as their masters must not be disrespectful to them because they are brethren, but must serve them all the more because those who partake of the benefit are believers and beloved. Teach and preach these principles. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. 
but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So this desire to have riches is not something that is only in wicked nations like the Babylons, but it's it within the Christian world as well. And it's something to watch out for. If these, these, that temptation is always there to have riches, that we desire riches, and we may come through them by unjust gain. And preaching the gospel to gain these riches is unjust gain, because this is not what the gospel is um, supposed to produce. Not that a, a man may not um, have his needs met by the church, but to the extent of great riches. Um, that is not found here, and this is what he's speaking against. Um, that you have to concede, you have to mitigate the truth in order to find those riches. And how the godly man should think about these earthly gain or earthly means. They should be content, content with what the Lord has given them. As long as there is food, as long as there is covering, there should be no complaint. And that's um, something that wicked nations like the Babylons don't understand. They want nations, they want plunder, they want territory, but they are not content with what they have. And we should be content with these, with food and covering. So returning back to Habakkuk chapter 2. So we've studied how in verses 6 and 7 how these the prideful man will be mocked. The prideful man will um, attain these riches in false ways, but it will come back upon them, their head. So why... or. In one way, how are these riches obtained by um, unjust gain? And then what, is the con- what are the consequences for doing so? Verse 8. Because you have looted many nations, all the remainder of the peoples will loot you. Because of human bloodshed and violence done to the land, to the town, and all its inhabitants. So in verse 8. We see the word because, twice, because you have looted many nations, because of human bloodshed and violence done to the land. So as the Babylonians face this judgment that's coming for how they have treated the people, how they have wickedly um, gained their riches riches and power, God isn't doing this um, unjustly. God is perfectly just. God understands Justice and righteousness better than um, anyone, any man can. But he still gives reason. He explains reasons why. He gives us understanding into why this destruction is coming about. So we see a very uh, profound, profound example of this in Amos. 
in Amos chapter 1. So here we'll see how all these nations have done are being punished. But there's a reason for it. And this is the evidence um, posed against them by the Lord. Amos chapter 1 verse 3. For thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because... They threshed Gilead with implements of sharp iron. So I will send fire upon the house of Haziel, and it will consume the citadels of Ben-Hadad. I will also break the gate bar of Damascus and cut off the inhabitant from the valley of Avin, and him who holds the scepter from Beth Eden, so the people of Aram will go. Exile to Kir, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four. I will not revoke its punishment, because they departed an entire population to deliver it up to Edom. So I will send fire upon the wall of Gaza, and it will consume her citadels. I will also cut off the inhabitant from Ashdod, and him who holds the scepter from Ashkelon. I will even unleash my power from Ekron, and the remnant of the Philistines will perish, says the Lord God. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Tyre and for four. I will not revoke its punishment because they delivered up an entire population to Edom and did not remember the covenant of brotherhood. So I will send fire upon the wall of Tyre and it will consume her citadels. Thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Edom and for four. I will not revoke its punishment because he pursued his brother with the sword while he stifled his compassion. His anger also tore continually and he maintained his fury forever. So I will send fire upon Taman, and it will consume the citadels of Basra. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of the sons of Ammon, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because they ripped open the pregnant women of Gilead in order to enlarge their borders. So I will kindle a fire on the wall of Rabbah, and it will consume her citadels, amid war cries on the day of battle, and a storm on the day of tempest. Their king will go into exile, he and his princes together, says the Lord. Continuing into chapter 2. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Moab and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because he burned the bones of the king of Edom to lime. So I will send fire upon Moab, and it will consume the citadels of Kiriath, and Moab will die amid tumult. With war, qu- with roar, war cries and the sound of a trumpet, I will also cut off the judge from her midst. And slay all her princes with him, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because they rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes. Their lies also have led them astray, those after which their fathers walked. So I will send fire upon Judah and it will consume the citadels of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because they sell the righteous for money and the needy for a pair of sandals. Those who pant after the very dust of the earth on the head of the helpless also turn aside the way of the humble and a man and his father resort to the same girl in order to profane my holy name. 
On garments taken as pledges, they stretch out beside every altar, and in the house of their God, they drink the wine of those who have been fined. So as God here is announcing these judgments against all these different nations, Judah and Israel included, he gives an explanation before he announces their judgment. So they have no complaint to offer to God, understanding that they are guilty. They have done these wicked things, and this is why they're being punished. It's not as if they're sinless or that they're good, but there's wickedness being take, wickedness that has taken place, and God is uh, judging them appropriately. We see this first and foremost also in Genesis chapter 3. In the garden, we start in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. 8 to 19. Genesis 3, 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and he and you shall bruise him on the heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. And toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So here again, God illustrates how it is the disobedience and the sin of the man, the woman, and Satan that has brought about this judgment upon them. It's not as if he's just handing it out without a just cause because God is just in himself. So we should understand that when punishment takes place, when um, these different uh, hardships or different things that may happen to us, that we, we aren't... Um, guilty or guiltless excuse me um, because we have had sin in our lives we have sin and we need to understand that the reason we are at enemies with god and is eternally in enemies with god without christ that is our state before him because of our sin 
We see this described or explained in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. Ephesians 2, 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. So it is through Christ, the blood of Christ, by the mercy of God, that we are no longer enemies of God. And we should always see that in these passages of judgment that it is because these wicked men are in unrepentant sin this is why the judgment has been carried out against them and be even more grateful and ever um, praising God and thanking God that he has removed this in Christ by changing our hearts to believe in him amen